What up guys, this is Lisa Billu and welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory on Women of Impact and today it's a juicy one guys, today it's a juicy one. Me and the hubby are actually talking about, surprise surprise, mismatched libidos and it may be another surprise that he happens to have a more of a higher sex drive than I do. Now I don't know about you guys, I don't know if that's a situation with you or if it's flipped, but either way my hubby and I talk no BS on how we actually handle having different libidos, how when maybe he wants sex more than I do, how we actually navigate, how we communicate, how we discuss this without either of us feeling badly. Because that's the key. How on earth do you take a situation like this where one of you wants way more sex than the other? How do you communicate and how do you use it to make your relationship even stronger instead of allowing that disconnect to actually now have an impact and a disconnect in your relationship. All right, well, if you want to find out how to actually handle it, let's get into it with today's episode of Relationship Theory. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another rousing edition of Relationship <laughs> Theory. Today, we are talking about something that I know nothing about, and that is differing sex drives. I wish I was ignorant to this one, but especially in when we first got together and I was in my mid-20s, Holy Lord. It's so funny how it really does change over time. But yeah, different sex drives. What yeah. do we got? We've got a question. Let's dive in. How would you do with two different sex drives? He wants it multiple times per day. I Sounds familiar. And I'm good <laughs> with twice a week. Sounds familiar. This, this email is from Lisa Billiou. <laughs> this has caused most of the issues in our relationship. Any advice? We're in our early to mid-30s. Well, as you said, we definitely have been down this road mm. in our when we first met. You wanted it all the time, nonstop. If you don't have friction burns, I don't know why you're stopping. <laughs> that that's sort of the moral of my story. It's like we still good? We chafing? Where are we at? So yeah. Uh look, I have deep sympathy for both sides of the equation here because this really is I mean, it's personality somewhat, but it's also just neurochemistry. Like when you're talking especially about a 20-something guy and your testosterone is off the charts, it's like that is the result. So, um, you know, to, it never, to be angry with either side of the equation just doesn't make sense. It's to fundamentally misunderstand the biology. Um, and this is yet another reason why I'm obsessed with the idea of understanding that you're having a biological experience. And that hormones, like you can literally, you could inject a woman with testosterone and she would want sex more. Like whether she wanted to want sex more or not, it would be irrelevant. You hit her with testosterone and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, and her sex drive is going to go up. You can deplete a man of testosterone and his sex drive will go down. So neither side is trying to be cruel to the other. It's literally a mismatch of hormones. And so... Just recognizing that already is huge. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. So this isn't that you don't love me. It isn't even that you're not a sexually attracted to me. This it's is not that, that either one is right or wrong. Very, very important to realize because I think that's where a lot of the friction comes from is feeling like either side is doing something wrong or doing something to hurt you, whatever. Um, and you know, like always, communication is a big part of the, the puzzle. And so talking through that um, and figuring out where you guys come out. So now it's a question of what do you do to actually deal with the situation? So you're talking about it. You have to find out, 
like, is there also a collision of values, right? So there's the surface level thing of, hey, I want sex more than you want sex. And everything is okay if they're both communicating. It's like, this is where I'm at. Okay, cool. But what happens when one of you feels like the other should accommodate? Right, yeah. Or one, yeah, you, you're looking for one person to always come over to the other side. Right. So there's either judgment, you shouldn't want sex as much. Right. You should want sex more. Right. You love me, right? Yeah. Um, I've agreed to only have sex with you, and now you're trying to limit the amount that I can have sex? Right. Shouldn't you want me to want to have sex with you? Right. So that's where the real sort of um, the need for self-awareness kicks in, where you have to understand that you, you don't just have thoughts up here, right, of... I want sex more than you, or you want sex more than me. It's the, and that means, conversation. That means that, you know, you are not, a, you're not living up to your end of the bargain. When we got married, I had a subconscious belief that you were going to give me sex as much as I wanted it, or let me go, let me go have sex with somebody else. Like, if you're comfortable with two times a week and I want two times a day, I'm more than happy to give you the two times a week, and then I'll go for all the other times with somebody else. You cool with that? Right. And so that's where when you have this just wildly divergent value set, if you don't get down to that conversation and really talk about it, uh, then it will fester and it becomes a problem and it becomes resentment. Resentment becomes contempt and contempt is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that predicts divorce with a 95 percent accuracy rate. All right. So I agree with you. So discussing it, communicating. Yep. Um, I was literally, as you were talking, trying to think back to how we handled it. Um, I think a big part of it was, um, there's a part of it that's, you want to be sexually satisfied. I have zero problems with you going and watching porn. Zero problems. So then it becomes cool. Um, if I want it twice and you want it twice a day, how much of that is porn? I want to make sure that you're satisfied. Like for me, I know that I'm a little old school and I want to freaking satisfy you. Like I absolutely, but I don't want to satisfy you. You to feel the you have to caveat that? Yeah, sadly, I really do. I really do, babe. So it's, interesting. It's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. But I think I do because I'm not even people that want to backlash can backlash me. Sadly, I do, but I'm going to still say it in a way. I think it's super freaking. Important. I want to sexually satisfy you. But now I go, for me, forget about even you, right? Forget about how much am I willing to come over to, the th like, if I want it twice a week, and does four times a week feel good because I really want to satisfy you? So now I'm not really doing it for you. I am doing it subconsciously for myself too. Not even subconsciously. I am doing it for myself too. Um, and then where does it spill over where now I just feel like I'm a bit of a rag doll, right? And it's like, I don't want to feel like a rag doll. So I just go, oh, where is that line? And then we sit down and we discuss. I can't remember, so if you can jump in. The thing I do remember very specifically were vacations. Because we're always open about communication when we go on vacation. It's like, what are the selfish things you want to do on this vacation? Mm. Don't think about me. What are the things you want to do? And, of course, for you, it was like, oh, sex, sex, sex. And, hey, did I say sex and sex? Um, and you're very honest. And I'm like, cool, it's your vacation. That's something that you really want. Now, what do I want? And then I list off all the things I want. I want to sunbathe, and I want sex. I want to cuddle, and I want some sex. I want some good food, and I want some... Right, and so now it's like, cool, how do we put everything together, and how do we both get what we want? And that's the thing. We're always looking to compromise. It's never a, 
no, 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 you have to come over here, and if not, then this or this will happen, and vice versa. It's, okay, you want it twice a day. How do I come over to your side? How do we compromise? Um, but it's not a either you give it to me twice a day or I'm going to look somewhere else, because that, that wouldn't fly with me. Um, so, yeah. Man, this is a really interesting topic. You brought up something that um, I find utterly fascinating. So this idea of, you know, called me old-fashioned, but I want to sexually satisfy you. I will say if you're in a committed, loving relationship and you're not thinking about what your partner wants, that is, that is a, a horseman of the apocalypse. Like that is so wildly problematic. Now, that does not mean that just because your partner wants something that you give it to them. But right. to not consider what your partner wants. So first of all, let's, let's back in, get to my base assumptions, right? Otherwise, people will not understand my stance. So base assumption number one, the neurochemistry of orgasm is as close to um, the neurochemical cocktail that breaks depression as anything they've been able to find. So when they look at all the studies of like, okay, if... Um, SSRIs or, you know, whatever, 3% effective. It's literally criminal how low their efficacy rate is. And there are placebos that outperform SSRIs. Now, SSRIs, if it helps you, oh my God, thank God they exist. Zero beef with them whatsoever. But when they look at the neurochemical cocktail that they're really like, if we could just get people, it's the neurochemistry of right after an orgasm. And Nature has given us this thing that just dumps these bonding chemicals into the brain from orgasm. So you have an animal that isn't monogamous or polygynous by nature. We are able to go back and forth. So the size of the testicles on the male tell you how um, much monogamy is a part of that animal. And we are right in the middle. There are some that like you can barely understand how they walk because their testicles are so large because they have to produce so much semen because they are having sex with everything that moves. And then you have ones that are like peanuts because they have total control. They mate with, you know, they may have exclusive access. So you, if you look at like a silverback gorilla, tiny testicles because they come in, they fuck up all the other males. They're like, it's only me. There's no sperm competition. Mm. Okay. It's, it is fat. You're having a biological experience. It is so fascinating. Now, human males right in the middle, which means, Hey, we can adopt to monogamy or we can, um, be polygynous. So it is, we can sort of go back and forth, which is exactly the sort of weird problem that we live in, which is, eh, I'm not really pushed in either direction. I have, I love bonding and I get all of that, but hey, new females is also exciting. And so we're in this sort of weird land and beginning to understand, okay, base assumption number one is that neurochemical cocktail of sex is incredibly potent. So one of the things that marriage counselors will often ask at the very beginning is how often are you having sex? Mm. Not how often do you feel like having sex? <laughs> how often are you actually having sex? Because the neurochemistry will bond you. Then it's like, where is the sort of satisfaction level, right? Because just like I had always said to you in our marriage, I never ever want to have sex if you're doing it for me. If you recognize, hey, for the marriage, for the neurochemistry, I'm going to go through the process of getting into an excited state, right? So there are things that 
work for you where we have to sort of warm you up and rev you up and get you to the point where you're actually now in the mood. So it's like, okay, well, let's do those things, right? And so that became part of the compromise of I don't want to do it if we can't get you interested in the idea. And just for clarity, we're not even just, we're not talking about actual foreplay. We're actually talking about, I want to go for dinner with you. I want to switch off our phones and just talk. I want to cuddle. Like all of that is the rev up for me. Yes. Which isn't just a rev up for you. Obviously talking now at a stereotype level, there's going to be differences, but stereotypes become stereotypes because there's enough meat there. Um, that's true for a lot of women. So, um, of course, Sting made a comment one time that sex lasted for eight hours, and people thought he literally meant that he had sex for eight hours. And he was like, that's not what I was saying. What I was saying is that for the woman, she needs to feel that deep sense of connection, that they're engaged with each other, and that the foreplay could be going to the store and shopping, but I'm paying attention to her, and I want to know what she wants, and I'm fully engaged and present. And that that's a big part of the lead-in for her to feel receptive. And like just recognizing that, to me, is so important. And it's like you, you cannot bring two people together. And I have often wondered if this would be easier in um, gay couples. If, there is, if that would actually be easier. I haven't looked at the literature to know. Would it be easier for me to be with another man who is more likely from just a neurochemical standpoint, from a hormonal standpoint, to have a a more similar sex drive and to view sex the way that I view sex, right? Which is I want to go from zero to punchline immediately. That's why we have to make that movie, babe. Which, uh, you're talking about (laughs) the, okay, you're not, you're being coy about it. Um, It is utterly fascinating to me that you're taking at least in a a heterosexual couple and hetero means different so you're taking these things that are different and you're bringing them together to cohabitate to live their lives to to for you to be the sole sexual outlet that i have barring solo time and trying to make it work that's another thing so I don't know if this is derailing the conversation or not derailing the conversation, but I remember when I was younger growing up and hearing other people and, you know, in my um, late teens, early 20s, where so many people were against their partners looking at porn. And it meant that they didn't find them attractive. And I, I, I was always confused about that because I was like, but for me, again, just for me, if I'm with my partner and he wants more sexual pleasure than I really want to give, why do I have a problem with them going off and looking at porn? Like, to me, it's like, okay, I wouldn't want, if I have a need, and let's say I'm trying to think of a very quick need that you can't fulfill, but I don't know. If I have a need that you can't fulfill, but you're like, oh, hey, but go over here, and you can get it over here, with no damage to our marriage, to our relationship, I encourage that. So me and you are very open about... Basically, when you're watching porn, it's like, okay, have fun, babe. You know, and it's funny, like, I get, I'm getting a little embarrassed in saying that out loud. I don't know why. But it's true. Like, so many people, I don't know if they have that open communication. But that was huge because now there's no, like, the idea for me breaks my heart of someone having to sneak off and do that in private. Where you have a need, 
you feel but you don't want to tell your partner because maybe they're going to take it as you know a, a dent on them or like maybe you're going to in trigger their insecurities so you have to do it in secret and now you know me and you talk about just secrets we have zero secrets even to the point where sometimes it was like I said to you yeah close the door and then realized the next day like oh shit I lied to him that I didn't actually close the door <laughs> I'll like, come and tell you like babe you know yesterday I said I close the door I'm so sorry I actually didn't um, I don't even know why I said I did like things like that because it just like we want to always have so much tr openness mm. and transparency so that when something happens I'm like oh well he's already proven over 20 years he's going to be honest with me so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt right. over here but like with that sort of thing it's not just the porn itself right it's the hiding it's the once you have to hide something now you start to feel like it's taboo and that it's bad and like I never wanted you to feel like looking at porn was going to be a bad thing it's like if you're having fun go for it um and that has now opened the communication between me and you it hasn't built up a wall it hasn't given us this um thing between us that um maybe one you know that could be seen as bad versus good right if you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. Yeah, I think that's super important is finding there's a lot of judgment around. Um, and this is like floating in the, the sort of cultural sphere. But a lot of judgment around, oh, you know, he wants it all the time and he's just a dog or whatever. And so that does like, I don't know, that doesn't feel good. Um, and then women getting pressured by a guy to have sex when they don't want is also super shitty. And so being able to, the, the thing that we settled on, I can't believe we haven't said this yet. The thing that we settled on is I'm never going to be afraid to ask for sex and you should never be afraid to say no. And that was where we came to. Don't make me feel bad for wanting it. And ever. I will ever, and I will never make you feel bad for not wanting it. And so that has been a great dance. And I don't understand people though that, have a judgment where it's like, let's say that you want sex at a time where I am not in the mood, which believe it or not has actually happened. And in those times I'm like, yo, if you want to hundred percent, like I'm down for it. Um, it's not where my head is at right now for whatever reason, but like, I'm totally game. That doesn't feel weird to me. It's like, I, I 
trust you implicitly so I don't feel there's no sense of danger to you know, putting myself in a sexual situation, even though like my head isn't necessarily there and it'll take me a minute to rev up, but like, you know, I want to be there for you. And the deep sense of comfort and trust that we have over 20 years, it's like, you know, it's, um, you shouldn't have sex if you can't talk about it. And so it's like to not be able to, to say like, I'm, I'm so in this and you've earned my trust and I love being with you. And I understand the, um, the way that the hormonal cascade works enough that, hey, unless something really rough is going on, in which case I would say, look, I'm way too stressed or something sad. Like I can't imagine being sad and trying to have sex. Um, but it's like it. If you touch it enough, I'll be ready. You know what I mean? So it's like there, there are ways to make this get going. Oh, we're in a, well, at least me, I'm not that easy. No, of um, course. Radically, <laughs> radically different no, things. No, but, but. It's, it's good to know, though, those things, right? Because it's like I know. And then in that moment, I'm like, okay, bless him. I know that I can get him there. But if, he does, if he's tired, it's like, you know, so then we can talk about it and then address it. I just don't think people should feel weird bringing it up. And I don't think people should feel weird saying yes when it's yes to, I love this person and just want to see them smile. And it's not yes, like I'm super in the mood right now. And I don't think people should feel bad when the answer is no. And I'm just not there. And right, like, like it take it a dent on you. Like, yeah. oh, they're no longer attracted to me. Yeah, like... And that was actually one thing. Do you remember fairly recently? I can't remember what happened. It might have been like Valentine. I can't remember. But um, I said to you, actually, I was like... Because you, I think I went to make a move, and you're like, oh, I'm actually not in the mood right now. And I was like, oh, I just want to make sure that you feel, sat, you know, sexually satisfied, because our sex has changed over the last few years. And I remember you just looked at me you're like, I'm no longer that 20, 24 year old, you know, guy that you met. And in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, that's true. But that's why we still keep talking about it. Because if I hadn't have said anything to you, if I didn't ask, if I don't, if we don't constantly ask, constantly check in. If I was insecure, I may have thought it was about me, right? Like, if you're watching, still watching porn, but you want less sex with me, oh, am I less attractive? Do you not like me now? Right, like, I could, for sure, the freaking Lisa's negative voice will keep going. I will say, though, that would be concerning in a relationship for me. If the person is watching porn and saying no to sex with the spouse, it doesn't, I, I would just say, if your goal is to have a long and healthy marriage, you want to change that ratio. Like, I was saying, let's say, 90% of the time before was sex and 10% was porn. And mm. now you've just reduced how much sex you want to have. So now it's gone down to 60-40. I wouldn't think of that as being, like, imagine the whole pie has shrunk. It's interesting. That's a danger sign for me. Interesting. I would say that if, if, if the ratio, like, if you want to achieve orgasm four times a week... I'm making these numbers up and your partner wants to achieve orgasm two times a week, mm -hmm. then the two times you want to make sure that you're doing those together. Correct. Like the porn should only be the surplus in my opinion. So that would be, I would say in a relationship, you want to be real careful that porn doesn't become the, the priority. And then the surplus goes that to your spouse. That wasn't what I was saying, but I, I think I hear why you thought that. Um, 
I was just like, so for instance, let's say, <laughs> this is getting really weird, but let's say you want to orgasm four times. Yep. And Lisa's only available two times a week. Yep. Right? But like there are days where she, I'm tired and it goes down to one week. Yep. Okay, but you still want four. Do you still want two? No, I've gone down to one. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So now you watch more porn. Yep. But we have sex less. Yep. But it's but that's because one of the people desires because less. Been, because we've communicated. Yeah, I just want to yes. be clear about that. So we've communicated the changes and then we adjust accordingly. Word. So never comparing where we are now to when we first met, making sure that when talking about it so that neither of us feel insecure if something has changed mm. and that we are communicating so we know it's not about the other person maybe it's me that's changing and then also i do think about the fact that making sure that you're talking about the change over time about yep. your sex drives so that when things change you don't think it's about you um because i yeah i would have thought well, hang on a minute he wanted it you know four times a day before now he barely asks me is he just not attracted to me and you said earlier the comment so this. even though you don't want it the fact that i'm not coming oh, to you yeah. that's what you were trying to get yeah. at interesting all right that's some weird shit so you're saying even though i this is so interesting <laughs> even though he wanted it two times a day and i only wanted it two times a week the fact that now he... And by the way, I didn't, I didn't think I wanted it more than two times. You did. The You're the one that said the numbers, <laughs> know, not me, homie. This woman's numbers. Um, so even though, just sticking with those numbers because yeah. we've been using them the whole time. So even though he wanted it twice a day and I only wanted it twice a week and now I only want it once a week and he's you know down to four times a week that there's actually something that I don't like about the fact that he's not asking for it more it's so not even it, that i don't like it it's uh -huh. just that oh hang on this is something that's changed so can i, I put a phrase to it yeah that it made you feel desired and even though you didn't want to have sex you like being desired yeah perfect that's exactly it that is very transparent very powerful what a gift for people to understand that kind of thing about and this this to me is a human experience it's like I don't want to have sex, but I want you to want me. It's weird, but if it's real... It's so funny, you're right. It, like, as you said, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. But <laughs> I haven't actually said those words to you. Yeah. I um, actually totally get that. And you probably have said things like that to me. And that feels so in keeping with the human condition. And this is why I think people struggle with sex, with all kinds of other things. People want contradictory things that even though they don't want to have sex, they do want to be asked. It's like, I don't... 99 times out of 100, if somebody invites me to go do something, I don't want to do it, but I still want to be invited. So it's ridiculous. <laughs> Why? Why do I want to be invited? It actually creates like an awkwardness. But if no one ever invited me, even though I don't want to go out, it would suck. It's so, humans are weird. Yes. They're weird. And so that's a really keen insight that could lead people to be very surprised and frustrated that wait, you only want it once a week, but you're upset, not the right word, but it's making me feel like I've done something wrong, that I'm not asking for more. It's not that it's making me feel something wrong. It's like you said. No, it's, you would I make me to... feel like oh, right. something was wrong, that right. I've done something wrong, oh, even though right. that's not your intention. Oh, you're right. So it gets into that's this weird, like, knock-on effect of, like, no, no, that's not what you're trying to say, but that's how I'm taking it. 
but your thing is actually weird and That's contradictory. That's so true. Yes, I would be like, oh, well, you don't want it. And you're like, oh, well, should like, you should should I be right. asking? Like, I'm, I'm, what am I doing wrong? So true, babe. And that's how arguments begin. Yeah. Really? But that's actually 100% why I asked you. Because I think part of me was like, I wanted to check in to make sure it was your sex drive that was changing. Mm. And, and not your attractiveness. And not my, yes, making sure that I'm, and when we say attractive, I, I personally don't think just physicality, it's our connection. Like, am I, oh, mm. no, you don't agree. No, I think that's very interesting. That isn't what I would have said, because remember... Guys don't need to feel connected to have sex. Guys need to have sex to feel loved. Women need to feel loved to have sex. And once people understand that, so many of the problems go away. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy connection. But I promise you, connection is not required for an erection or orgasm. So it just makes it better. And I think that's very confusing to a lot of women. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we tapping out on that one. I mean, we that got interesting that, for me. I know. That was fucking interesting. Yeah. That that is that was some shit right there. Did I we, I hope that. we answered the woman's question. I think we did. I mean, we gave all the tools that we use, and just to recap, the most profound tool that we lean on the most is I'm never going to feel bad asking for sex, and you should never ever feel bad for saying no. And as long as you never make me feel guilty for asking, I'm certainly not going to make you feel guilty for saying no. And that way you never, because what would end up happening is you'd miss an opportunity where you were sort of unexpectedly interested, but didn't want to have to make the move. And I was worried that maybe you wouldn't be. And so I just didn't. And so now we're both frustrated. So I thought that's dumb. I'm just going to always ask. And, but it's, in, in proposing sex, it's always, even after 20 years together, there's always a little bit of like, oh, I might get rejected. And so it can be very easy to, in the early days of the relationship, get into a pattern of being overly afraid of being rejected. And so that just becomes your pattern of, well, I never ask unless it's obvious. And since I want it more than she does, you basically have to make the move all the time. Right? And so that's just a, a bad dynamic to be in. So anyway... That was where we settled on it. Which I love. And then one more thing actually to add is we do this now so automatically because we've been together for so long. But I think that it could be useful for people to sit down and say, all right, you know what we should do? Just to always make sure we're on the same page. Every three months, we'll sit down and we should go over. Like, I want to know where you are. Are you satisfied? How are you feeling? And maybe, and I wouldn't even just do that about sex. I would probably do it like about multiple things in the relationship. This sounds horrifying. Um, but think about it. We do do it. We just don't put it in the schedule or the book, but we do. And here's the thing. I think it's hard when couples are first starting out and they haven't been together as long as we have mm-hmm. made to bring these subjects up. How like do this, we actually do it, though? I mean, usually it pro- sadly stems from a fight and then we end up figuring things out. And That's interesting. That's true. And then we come up with a tra- strategy. And then Not we where I was the going. Strategy, and then we ref- uh, refine the strategy. So I would say... Four or five times a year, we will do something very fun. I'm so curious to see if you've ever, like, put it in your head that this is, like, one of those times where we have used this to such good impact. So um, when we go on vacation... Questions. uh, Take it away. But that's what I'm saying. Basically, yeah, but you made it sound like a business thing that we do quarterly and that we're going to, and now we're going to go through all the things that we've struggled with over the last three months. That's why I said it sounded horrible to me. 
Sure. Okay. So you do it in a fun way. We have a book of questions. We ask each other certain questions. One of my personal favorites is what did I used to do for you that I don't do for you anymore that you wish I did? That allows me to... And we get in like this totally rad vibe. It's so much fun. Oh, like we, we sit there. We have alcohol. We have yes. yummy food. It's like a whole event. Yes. And by the way, we rank questions based on their level of danger. Yes. So what are questions that'll just be fun? We start and there. Then, yeah. And then questions get... Like, these ones could end in an argument. So be very careful bringing these up. Make sure you haven't had too much to drink as well. Make sure you're in a good place, that everybody's guard is down. But that, I still think there's something for us to do there. that's what I mean. Yes, I do too. But we've got, we've got a show. Like, oh, now we go on hot. Obviously, we don't, since we've been in COVID. But we have a strategy. We don't feel bad. We know, we both know. We both sit down. We both do it. I'm saying if you haven't gotten there yet, find a fun way you're right. You don't want a workbook. But maybe do it as a date thing. Like, all right, we're going to order our favorite food. Mm. We're going to sit down. I've, now got, you're I've talking. got some surprise questions for yes, me. Yes, got some yes, surprise yes. For me. We should have an um, exit strategy in case one, something starts getting yep. dangerous. Yep. So whether it's like a little flag. I've got love a little chips. coin that says love on yeah, it. Buddy. Which means that you give it to the other one in those moments of danger. But having a strategy like that where you know you're going to be sitting with them every three months, every six months, whatever, so that it doesn't end up five years down the line and you haven't had that conversation because it's too uncomfortable. That shit happens, babe. So making sure you have these pillars ahead of time so there's no surprise and not waiting for a problem to arise, but doing it hopefully before the problem does. Word. All right, guys, you heard it here first. That's how you deal with the mismatched sex drives. And it is like anything with enough conversation, you can get to the other side, but you got to communicate, got to have the self-awareness, got to go through things one by one. Uh, And speaking of things you should go through one by one, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and watch all of these videos. We think that there's some real gold in there that you can use to go and build a legendary relationship. Until (laughs) next time, my friends, peace out.